Hey, hiya, howdy, salutations, and welcome to the Harlots of History podcast. This is the show for the curious listener, the raunchy feminist, the sex-positive comic, co-hosted by us, your resident amateur historians who love a side of sexy with their history. Listen as we chat and lecture each other on infamous mistresses, lovers, sex workers, courtesans, madams, vamps, sirens, scam artists, and of course, harlots. I'm Emily. And I'm Kara Mia. So go grab your salty snacks and a fizzy drink of your choice. Sit back and be entertained. We fully endorse this show to assist you, listener, as a procrastinator. This show also contains alcohol, some colorful language, and sexual content and is not appropriate for those under 18. Sorry, not sorry to our children and pets. Why, hi, and hello. Hello. <laughs> this is Karamia. And this is Emily. Coming we really don't you. know what to do with ourselves. No, we don't. We don't, except talk to you. So we're coming to you on a Thursday morning to do our mini-sode. It's not Thursday morning. It's a Saturday shh, night. Shh, shh. It's Thursday morning. Oh, I didn't want it to be Thursday morning. I want it to be Saturday night. <laughs> Emily's kind of grumpy right now. <laughs> I'm not grumpy. I'm happy. I'm in. I'm in my um my fuzzy sweater, and I've got my Halloween. Oh, this isn't even a spooky one, but I've got my Halloween shirt with spiders on the boobs on. So yesterday I was wearing a kitty titty shirt, and I think Emily just wanted to do. We gotta think of what is it? What what can you call it? Spider, spider tits. <laughs> sure. There you go. <laughs> Spider tits. They're really great. It's a, okay. it's, it's, and it's a sequin. She has sequin spiders over her nipples. It's amazing. I know. Yeah. Wear masks on a bra. Yes. Yes. <laughs> okay. So this is okay. Harlots of History. Did we say that already? I think so. But we'll say it again. This is Harlots of History. And we are doing our Thursday mini-sode. And, and today... Can you we're sober right now? We sound like we're drunk, but we're sober. We're, 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 we like don't know. We are doing... We are starting to do um, episodes with tea. And it's a change up for us and we think it's healthy. So if we have a lot of unbridled energy, that's why. <laughs> but today, last week, um, in her mini-sode, Emily did Lilith. And coincidentally, we don't tell each other what we're going to do. But I am doing Eve Adams or Ava Kochever, which I'm probably butchering that last name. I try to find a great pronunciation. It's Polish. I had a Polish boyfriend. I could never pronounce any of his names or friends' names. It's a tough language. Okay, so today's mini-sode is extremely interesting, and it's honestly a true bummer. So we are talking cool. about Eva Kochever or Eve Adams, and I'm going to refer to her as Eve Adams from now on. Um, she was born in 1891 in Poland, and she immigrated to the United States in the 1920s. She eventually landed in Chicago as a lesbian Jewish immigrant. Oh, I love her. Right? Her name, which she created, Eve Adams. Okay, think about it. Eve Adams. Like Eve and Adam. Right? I, it's just like so cool. Yeah. Like, so was an androgyn androgynous pseudonym whose biblical origins her Protestant persecutors might have might well have found blasphemous, said George Chauncey in his history of gay New York culture called Gay New York. <laughs> wow, he's very original. Right? Actually, this book sounds amazing, and I actually was like, I want to add that to our read list. 
No, it's we have so many that just sound really good. Right. So Eve and her partner, Ruth Norlander, who was a really cool artist, sold radical papers like Mother Earth and the Masses all over Chicago. She they also opened your local gay friendly anarchist cafe called the Gray Cottage, where, and this is a quote, the ideology of libertarian socialism was foregrounded. Oh, so it's just like she was not only was she just like super cool in just who she was, but she also was like a very progressive thinking activist, which I thought was really amazing. That so, is really cool. Right. And so she was amazing in Chicago, but we are interested in the business she opened in 1925 in Greenwich Village. It was yeah. one of U.S.'s earliest lesbian bars. In 1925? 1925. It was called Eve's Hangout. 129 McDougal Street, and the sign outside said, Men are admitted, but not welcome. No. Which, of course, was a joke, but that's amazing. I um, love it. <laughs> it was an after theater club because it was right next to a playhouse called Provincetown Playhouse. It was a lesbian speakeasy and tea room, and it oh, was very popular. Prohibition? Was mm-hmm. It was part of the wave of lesbian bars that opened during Prohibition. It's amazing. I had no idea there were lesbian bars that opened during Prohibition. That's me so cool. neither. Me neither. Yeah. And a village columnist said that it was one of the most delightful hangouts the village ever had. It offered weekly poetry readings, discussion groups, and live music. It also hosted after-hours locked-door meetings for women to share same-sex love experiences. It may have served bathtub gin, but it is generally believed it really served tea. So they don't know if it was a combination or only oh. one or the other was served. Yeah. So it, it might have been a bar. It also could have just been like a safe space for women to go. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so Eve was openly lesbian in 1920s New York. Greenwich Village was at that time a place where it was generally accepted to be openly gay and lesbian, at least in certain areas. That's cool. Yeah, um, Greenwich Hills has always kind of been like that. Right. And the block at McDougal Street where the hangout was located became even more important as the police began cracking down on spots associated with gay culture in 1924 and 1925. So it was super brave of her to open this hangout when police crackdowns were happening. That's amazing. Also, it's like, I know that they did, but it's like, why the, why the fuck were they doing that? Right. And social yeah. activists. Jewish and immigrant intellectuals also began to become regulars at her place. She was fondly called the queen of the third sex, which is a bit icky today, but it was it was like literally someone talking fondly about her in the language of the time. Like okay. um, there was this one, uh, I actually wanted to study her a bit more, but there was like this one famous lesbian who held these uh, group meetings at her New York apartment and it was called like members of the third sex Oh, okay. So it was like it was like, seen as for progressive and forward thinking at the time. It might be a bit icky to us today, but it was. But back seen, then, that's that's what they were. Well, yeah, and I mean, I guess if like you know, being gay wasn't openly. Well, and I'll talk about like what the medical journals wrote about it too. Oh, um, later, so she also wrote a book of short stories called Lesbian Love. Um, only a few private copies of it exist today, and there was a copy that belonged that Yale had, but it was stolen. No. <laughs> I would steal it. That's right, really good. Right? And she began to draw attention because of how radical her business was. Remember that flappers were considered radical at this time because they had bobbed hair and short <sighs> dresses. Oh, she must have been like super radical. Right. And gay and straight women kept uh, Eve's hangout busy. And there were tour bus that would go down to the village to see all these 
terrible, I'm doing quotation marks, terrible places, all these bohemians, all these quote-unquote perverts, said Barbara Kahn. She was the playwright who has written three plays about Eve Adams' life. What? So people, like, would, like, literally, like, go down to the village in these, like, tour buses to, like, you know, just look how the other ones live. The local newspaper, the Greenwich Village Quill, reported at this time that the hangout was, this is a quote, where ladies prefer each other. Not very healthy for she adolescents, nor comfortable for he-men. He-men? <laughs> yeah, they literally had to do she adolescents or he-men. And, I was just like, and they were also concerned about pseudo-lesbianism or straight women pretending to be lesbians, voyeurs, because becoming an actual lesbian was the greatest risk of all. That's me being extremely sarcastic, but this was like a gen, this was like, you can read newspaper articles, politicians at the time, like this was a, and like, don't even get me started on like, you know, the church leaders of the day, but this was like a they were genuinely worried about if a straight woman hung out with a lesbian that she would catch lesbian. She would catch lesbianism. Like I was, it's it's like, I couldn't even believe that this actual writing was there. But again, I, that's I my like privilege. People, yeah, no. And I, I feel like that's like something that even some straight men are like worried about today. You know, they're like, if they should be so lucky. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you guys should. So Eve's hangout was only open from 1925 to 1926 because one day a female undercover cop named Margaret Leonard entered the business and claims to have been shown the book, Lesbian Love, and that Ava, or sorry, Eve, she's also, her name's also Ava, made overt sexual advances to her. It apparently was the female officer's third try. Took her three times to get evidence on Eve, and we can only imagine how desperate she must have been to secure evidence for Eve's arrest. She probably started hitting on Eve, and then Eve was was like, "Oh, okay, yeah, that's right. That's actually exactly what happened." According to Margaret, Eve invited her to the theater, took her dancing, held her close, and put her hand on her bosom in the cab. Then Margaret said that Eve invited her up to her bedroom threw her onto the bed, and then, according to a police report, attempted to commit the crime of cunnilinguism. And I, or cunnilinguism, I don't know. It's like, it's like the word that they use isn't even recognized by the dictionary. Cunnilinguism? Yeah. She, I mean. Yeah, yeah. And so, and again, apparently, when it got to this point, Margaret ran outside the door and found a telephone, and on her way out, she just happened to grab... Charges. She happened to grab lesbian love and a dozen what? other books that she then or, uses evidence. Or she actually wanted to, and she spent the night, and then in the morning she did it and was like, "Oh God, she tried so hard." Right. And so Eve was arrested at her hangout on charges of obscenity because of lesbian love, and like I said, the other books that were taken as evidence, and disorderly conduct because of her advances on the female undercover cop. Is that why more men don't go down on girls? Because they're scared of getting arrested <laughs> for kind of lingualism. No, remember I told you about oral sex um, when we did sex working in the West? It was seen as a European thing and distasteful. Oh, right. Mm-hmm. Yep. And uh, there was a municipal law that prohibited loitering for sodomy within the city limits of New York City. But again, like, it's just, it was like... Uh, why do you guys care? Just fucking right. And don't so, let people murder. Like that's why are you caring about what people do? Right. For, as as like, long as it's right. consensual and no one's being harmed. 
Thank you. Yeah. And she was jailed for, I, there's all these different accounts, but it's between six to 18 months at the same time as Mae West, who was only jailed for eight to 10 days for her Broadway play, Sex on Obscenity Charges, in the Women's Workhouse on Welfare Island, also known as Roosevelt Island. Isn't that right. crazy? Yeah. No, but isn't uh. that crazy? Like, you know, even like obviously not nearly like they were also saying like that just shows the double standard. Mae West was like a white blonde woman. Eve was also white, but she was a Jewish immigrant mm-hmm. who was openly less. You know what I mean? It's just like it was a very big double standard um, because an uncle offered offered to post her $1,000 bail, but the city of New York refused it. Why? That should that's like illegal. He should be allowed to post her bail. That's- and we're talking about the 20s. Like, I, I you know. Things were a bit, <laughs> I think, a bit different than in the legal systems. I don't know. I mean, they're and still. Barbara Kahn said in her memoir that the penitentiary had no color. The women had no hope. She also said that the women had everything stacked against them from the time that they were born. Because, like, mm. remember, this was a time of intense homophobia, anti-Semitism, and anti-immigrant isolationism sentiment and policies in the U.S., Medical yeah. literature at this time actually called homosexuality an illness and a perversion. Yeah, it so, used to be in the, um, what's that book, the psychology book of all the things, like homosexuality used to be up there, up in it, up until like, like, I think it was like the 70s or 80s. Yeah, it was like way longer. As a mental illness, yep. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Mm-hmm. And so then she was deported back to Europe, back to Poland. At her deportation meeting in 1927, she testified, Had I known that by telling the truth of these so-called unfortunate people that God has chosen to create different, that I was committing a crime against this country, which I love with my heart and soul, had I known it was a crime, I would have not told the truth. She also said that if she was deported, her life would be ruined. And she was pretty much right. So she saved up enough money to move from Poland to Paris. She ran a bookstore in Paris in Montmartre. Montmartre, sorry, I'm not mm-hmm. French, and lived a bohemian life in the Montparnasse neighborhood. That she sold fun, right? She sold band. So she yeah, she opened this bookstore and she she like ran around with like Anai Nin and uh, Henry Miller and oh, that's really cool. cool. Yeah, and she sold banned or controversial literature like The Tropic of Cancer and Lady Chatterley's Lover. Whoa. And she associated with anarchists and fought against fascism. Legend has it that she joined the Civil War effort against General Francisco Franco in Spain in the 1930s. But I think that's a myth. I think it's just associated with because she she associated with anarchists from all the way back to her Chicago days. And anarchists, like that, yeah, that's the term being used by. Well, it was by, it was it it was just people like honestly fighting for workers' rights and yeah, or, people being. Opposing fascism. the government. Yeah. Yeah, fascism. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. yeah. Which, by the way, opposing fascism is actually a good thing. But when the Nazis took control of Paris during World War II, Eve ran with her partner, Hella, to southern France. She tried to leave the country, but she all she had was an expired, like, Polish passport and a deportation. Like, she couldn't go back to the U.S. because she had been deported. So she had no luck, and they were arrested in Nice. They were sent to an internment camp, but then to Auschwitz, hmm. where Auschwitz, where they were murdered on December seventeenth, nineteen forty-three. If only the U.S. had not deported her for being gay. Hmm. And present day, Eve's hangout is on the edge of NYU's campus, and it is oh, an Italian. Still there. Mm-hmm, but it's it's an Italian restaurant and wine oh, bar. Uh, okay. Yeah. 
Um, but we must champion Eve, who gave a safe place time and time again for gay women to gather safely and form a community. She was deported and then murdered for who she was. It makes me so sad and right? mad. and Right. And, you know, even just to, like, kind of, like, kick you in the gut more. She fought for, like, workers' rights time and time again in the U.S. Like, I'm talking, like, basic workers' rights, like the 40-hour work week. And medical yeah. care. And she, like, fought for these things, like, that we all benefited from, you know? And it was, and like... probably suffrage, too. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <sighs> yep. And so, so before we get any further, I want to just say my sources. Um, the uh, NYC LGBT Historic Site Project, um, a blog post by Tom Miller for Daytonian in Manhattan, uh, Imprisoned for Who She Was by Ted Merwin for New York Jewish Week. The Economy is Killing the Lesbian Bar Again by Heather Gilligan for Timeline. And the founder of America's Earliest Lesbian Bar was deported for obscenity by Rena Gattuso for Atlas Obscura. That was interesting. I know. Someone I had never heard about. I had no idea about lesbian bars being opened in during Prohibition. It makes sense. I know. Um, yeah. And it's like, you know, like, I heard, I know, we all, like, kind of know generally the stories about bathhouses, which is, like, on my to-do list. But I was just, honestly, like, she was also very controversial because of the way she looked. Um, she was, her face was definitely had, and I, 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 I don't really know the other ways to describe it, but she didn't want to look conventionally pretty. She was, she had very broad features. She did have a more like, you know, set jaw. She was quote unquote more masculine looking, but to me, she just looked so unbelievably strong and kind. And just because she did look different and she did wear her hair different and she did wear different clothes. It was like, she was already branded as very different and weird. Which like different, uh, we all know, but different is not wrong. Different is better. You know, and and also the the um, Greenwich, what is it? The Greenwich uh, Quill that I talked about. There was this the um, journalist who wrote an article and like really attacked her time and time again. His name was Bobby Edwards, and it is surmised that he actually sicked the New York City police on her. It was like a personal thing. Why? He could. He was against her being so homosexual and spreading homosexuality. "Quote unquote," you know, in the neighborhood, oh. and so it's like also this gentleman could have been this horrible man. I shouldn't even say gentleman could be personally responsible for getting her deported, and it's like, dude, murderer, right? Yeah, murderer, it was, right? Like I said, it was a real bummer. That's so, really sad, right? So everyone, go read Gay New York. We will. That sounds really good. Okay, good job. Thank you. And again, we kept it under twenty minutes. Whoop, whoop. And so we just want to say thank you for listening to Harlots of History. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) Um, If you enjoy us like we enjoy you, please leave us a five-star review on Yelp. It really, really helps us. Uh, Not on Yelp. (laughs) God damn it. (laughs) (laughs) Don't do that. You can leave us a five-star review on Yelp, but we're not on Yelp. So (laughs) you might have a hard time finding us. Um, On Apple Podcasts, the link is in our Instagram. You can follow us on Instagram uh, at Harlots of History Podcast and on Twitter at Harlots History Harlots or History Harlot. I don't know. Just type in Harlots of History Podcast and you'll find it. I don't know what it is. House of History is like 16 letters. They only let you use 15. Oh, 
Yeah, yeah we're something. We can find us somewhere on Twitter. And then also, we just want to remind you. What I I I blanked out now. No, what, what's we have part? to say what 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 episode we're doing next week. Oh yeah, okay. Sorry guys. Sorry, sorry. It's um, your so, communist one. Yeah, yeah. So tune in for us. Oh gosh, I got to pull this up next time because I can't remember. Okay, I know. Just, just tune in uh, for next Monday. It is the first part of my double part episode, which I worked like really, really hard on, and it is mistresses of the communist party but the first part is pretty much exploring women women's roles heterosexual women's roles i should say in china and it's just like a brief summary of the history and you know down to feudal china all the way up until present day and then the second part which is going to be released the week after will pretty much explore females roles within the modern day feminist party and then or, ugh, Modern day communist party, definitely not the feminist party. Oh. And then, and then also the anti-corruption campaign led by the president and general secretary G. She, I can't ever say that. I will figure out how to say it in time for my episode. But yeah, we will um, just be exploring all the mistresses and the quote unquote, this is what it's referred to in the communist party, illicit relationships that it unearthed. I can't wait. The first part was. Well, we've, I've I've heard it already. You guys haven't yeah. heard it, but it's really good. <laughs> right? Uh, okay. Okay. Well, we just want to thank you for listening to Harlots of History. I'm Paramia. And I'm Emily. And we're taking back the word harlots. One episode at a time. We want to remind you to be a harlot. Not a hater. Bye. 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 <laughs>